Hey y'all, I'm Apollo Mighty, and right now I am right here. Right now I'm right here. I am joined today by Jamar Rogers, who is a singer, songwriter. And from TikTok, I kind of got the vibe that he's a bit of a motivational speaker and an activist. Is that right to say? I think that's very correct to say. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Jamar, welcome to the podcast, man. Oh, man, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm excited to chat with you. Good. I'm glad you're here. Uh, we're going to jump right into a section that I like to call the right now, right here. So tell me right now, how are you? I'm sad. I'm sad today. Uh, I'm grieving the loss of a friend. I'm um, dealing with some internalized uh, shame and, and grief, and I'm facing all of the, my shadow aspects today, but I'm alive, mm. and I get to witness it. So there's, there's sadness, but there's also joy that I have the capacity to face those things without wanting to inflict self-harm or, or use. So mm. uh, yeah, that's how I am. How, how are you today? It's... <laughs> Well, today I am intentional on surrounding myself with things that bring me peace. I'm intentional yes. about giving myself space and rest. Um, I've been kind of fighting off the emotion of feeling overwhelmed. I yes. felt a little overwhelmed this morning. and. I was just reminded that I have a lot of tools in my arsenal on how to deal with my overwhelmed thoughts and all of those things. So I'm feeling grateful. I'm feeling grateful that I have those tools and that I have this opportunity to be here with you. Um, I'm feeling inspired at the moment. I'm feeling really grounded. I should probably have turned the air conditioning on because I'm feeling a little <laughs> sweaty. <laughs> But overall, man, I'm uh, I'm with you. I feel blessed and like capable, honestly. I feel really capable. Yes. Yes. So you mentioned that you're feeling a lot, a few different things. Why don't we kind of dive into that a little bit? Sure. Um, a couple of days ago, I, uh, I got word that a, a, a trans friend of mine was murdered mm -hmm. and uh, she was murdered uh, trying to defend uh, a black woman against her uh, abusive husband. And so, I, you know, initially, of course, I'm, I'm sad about the death of my friend, but it's, it's bringing up a whole lot of uh, other emotions that I didn't know that I, I, I was still carrying, such as uh, dealing with the, the first people that ever bullied me were black men. Mm -hmm. Growing up, I, I didn't feel safe. I, I've always known I was queer since I was a child, um, and I didn't always feel safe in, in black spaces all the time. I didn't feel accepted by my own people. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize uh, all of the shame and, and the narratives and the stories I built around that. So these last few days have been me reckoning with these uncomfortable feelings and still choosing, I'm, I'm gonna love my people no matter what. I mean, come on. Um, but having to have this difficult conversation with myself that one, not all people are the same. You can't overly generalize everyone, right? Um, and the second thing is it's time to heal. It's time to mm -hmm. heal uh, those moments, uh, those those moments where I felt inadequate, those moments where I didn't feel man enough or I felt less than. Um, and I have to start to parent myself now and, and talk to myself in a way that says, you know what? Yes, you were judged back then. And yes, you were misunderstood, but I understand you now. I got your back. I'm gonna stand up for you. You're never forgotten. 
You're never alone. You'll never be abandoned because I know better now. And so, yeah, that's that's the talk I've been having with myself these last mm. few days. It's okay to be sad. Um, it's okay to face these parts. It doesn't mean I'm depressed. It means that I'm a human being that is experiencing the wealth of all emotions. And I refuse to sedate them because emotions are very powerful teachers. For sure, for sure. And kudos to you, man, for being willing to face those aspects of yourself. Um, we talk a lot in the healing community, I deemed it the healing community, about the work that it takes to heal childhood traumas. But until yeah. you're faced with the opportunity to actually start <clears throat> dealing with them, it's yeah. a lot of talk. Um, it's a lot of talk. <laughs> you talked a little bit about something that I also want to go back on, and that's the duality of being Black and queer. Mm-hmm. Um how do you normally deal with that? Like in your, in your everyday walk through life, how is that, how does that show up and how does that, and how do you feel the differentiates yourself from other people who are I in feel the same like, uh, spaces? Intersectionality is definitely a thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, we live in a very polarizing society at the moment mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm always about trying to find the things that unite us because we have plenty of things that could divide us if we if we allow it so as a black queer man first of all i see myself as a human being i see myself as a human being that's here to learn lessons and is here to make mistakes uh that's here to fail and try things over and over and over again which means i'm not going to always have the right answer that means i'm not going to always do things the right way but i have the opportunity every day to try again so what i'm taking from this situation is Black Lives Matter, period. And until we are willing to have a family talk amongst ourselves as a community about how like there are people in your community that don't feel safe and how can we foster that community? How can we um, unite over what over our, our similarities as opposed to what divides us, then we won't have peace in our community. And, and I think that what I keep saying to myself is, you know, we're willing to, to march in the streets if a black man is shot, but I'm not so sure that a black straight man is willing to march in the streets for one of us. And that's a problem, that's a problem. And, and I'm gone are the days where I feel like I have to give and give and give and not get something in return. So this is my plea to my community. I'm not trying to divide us, I'm trying to have a conversation. Like, how can we move forward together as a people so that we can that we can start tackling systemic racism in this country? But right now we can't tackle anything if we're divided, we're splintered. So I'm just doing a lot of soul searching right now, Apollo, man. I'm, I, I'm, I feel like I have the unique opportunity to talk about these things, but I want to do it with grace and without mm-hmm. judgment or condemnation. What do you say to the people within our community that simply just don't want to hear us, don't want to give us the same respect that I honestly feel like we're due. Yeah. How do you feel like, how do you deal with those kinds of people? Well, I say that um, when I didn't know better, I didn't do better, Mm. Um, but I know better now. And so I know that hurt people hurt people. And I think that like this, this wave has taken me beyond how black men have treated us it's more like how has this country treated black men that they feel the need to treat us that way. So then it's like, it, it goes deeper to like, okay, okay, black man, my fellow king, I see you. And though you may not put me on the same level of respect that I put you, I understand you're hurting. I understand that you don't have all the tools 
uh, for your own mental health right now, or you don't know how to self-soothe. And, and so you have all this repressed anger, repressed sexuality, repressed emotions. I have to love you from a distance. Mm. <laughs> I can't be up in your face. I can't be marching side by side with you if I can't stand with you. But that doesn't mean I'm a hate on you. That doesn't mean I resent you. It just means that I have to create space, a safe space for me first and foremost. And then I can look at you from a place of love and understanding. But I have to create distance first. So and that's just protecting my inner child, you know? For sure. So it's it's the principle of love thy neighbor, love thy enemy, even. Because yes. is it is it hard for you to see some of the people that look like you as your enemy? Oh my God, it's extremely hard because mm -hmm. I feel like all my life I've I've sought out black acceptance. For sure. I, I feel like um I feel like all my life I've been like looking for that pat on the back as though as though I needed an invite to it or as or as though they had a monopoly on the black experience. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to as a as a as an adult now, I'm trying to put all that nonsense aside and see it's all as one people because there's legislation that needs to be passed. There's things that need to be done, and we can't do it unless we are a unified force. So sure. I have to love you. I have to love you because I believe in the law of attraction. I believe in the law of sowing and reaping. I, I believe that um, I believe that separation is an illusion. I do think that ultimately we are all one coming from one source. And so I can't look at you as the enemy. I have to look at you as someone that just doesn't know better. And just like you wouldn't hate a child for making a mistake, you would love on that child and hope to teach them something by your actions. That's just how I have to see it. I hope that maybe you would learn from what I'm what I'm doing but I'm, I can't hate you. I can't afford to hate you. I, my, sure. my body nor my mental health can afford that. For sure, for sure. How do you think, because obviously there's the, I, I hate when I do that. I'll start a question and then I'll go into explaining the question before <laughs> I get to it. It's okay, it's okay, man. I'm still learning how to interview for people who are listening. Um, it's okay. Obviously, there's work to be done on the micro. So like you're saying, individual therapy, support groups for one another. And then there's stuff that needs to be done on the, on the macro in terms of bills that need to get passed, in terms of shelter for Black, Brown, queer, all of yes. us. How do yes. you think, what is the best way from where we are right now as a society to find those, that place in the middle, like the middle ground? Like where do we start in your opinion? Well, I think it starts with understanding. I think that it starts with internally understanding, but you can't understand others until you know thyself. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to understand yourself first. Um, and I find that a lot of people are, are afraid to take personal responsibility. Uh, for the things that they've done or the things that they've said or the things that they're continuing to allow in their lives. I think that if we were to have a talk uh, with uh, Black men in this country, I would say, why are we trying to be like our oppressors? Why are we trying to build a community like them? Why are we trying to be like the very people who robbed from us, who stole from us? Why aren't we trying to create something new? Mm -hmm. and, and I feel like Black men, Black cisgendered men, I really hate generalizing certain Black men they feel that their power is already threatened. They don't have a leg up in this country. And so they are just looking for some sort of superiority. So, right. And so if that means that they can be superior over women and queer people in their community, that, give, that, that strokes their ego. And I'm all about, well, can we put our egos aside for the sake of the community as a whole? Can we see ourselves as one body? Right. So I would say, let's start with individual responsibility. For sure. I'm, the only reason I'm even able to have this conversation 
is because I started dealing with my daddy issues and my mom, my mommy issues years ago. Um, I, I've been dealing with mental health. I've been dealing with generational trauma and the way trauma has been inflicted on black people in this country. So I'm ready to have this conversation, but I'm also aware that not a lot of people are there. So right. I, I feel like I have to lead by example. You know what I'm saying? I can't come out the gate swinging being like, oh, you, 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 you. I have to be like, well, where do we as a people go from here? How, what kind of discussions can we have? And that's me taking my own personal responsibility, I think. I actually noticed that from your profile, you talk a lot, you're, not, you're very open about the journey that you were in to where you are now. I'm sorry, you were very open about the journey that, that you're on from where you started to where you are now. Yeah. Look at yeah. me, getting these sentences together. You're doing great. You, you're doing great. <laughs> I'm celebrating myself today. <laughs> yes. but talk, let's talk a little bit about, about that journey. So did you start off in therapy? Did it start off, like, where, where did it start for you? And how has it transformed over the last few years? Well, just to give, like, the, the, the abbreviated version uh, for, for some people that don't know anything about me, I was raised... Uh, by a single mom, my dad left before I was born. Uh, she got married at the when I was six, but I, I knew I was queer at a, a very young age. I was raised in church, in a very, very strict Christian household. I mean, very, very, very strict. And um, I was suicidal because I thought I was going to hell my whole life. Um, and so I had mental health issues and suicide attempts throughout my teenage years. And I was hospitalized for that. Uh, I, I became addicted to crystal meth at the age of 18. And that addiction carried me through uh, to the age of 23 uh, until I found out I was HIV positive. And when I found out I was positive, I actually had AIDS, I was dying. Um, and that was, I guess that was the beginning of my self-help journey. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was at the, uh, I was at the, the sharpest of rock bottoms. It was a, it was a, it was a dark day. Uh, but in that moment, I wanted to live more than ever. You know, in that moment, I didn't want to lay down and die. Um, so I guess for me, it started with, I started seeing a therapist first, um, but I still had to reckon with a lot of the religious PTSD that came with being queer um, and also black and all of just all of that. <laughs> all, all of, I felt like uh, I felt like the dredge of society. I felt like the scum of the earth. Um, and then and then to top off the drug addiction and the HIV status. So I felt very, very low on, mm -hmm. um, on the totem pole of society. I had to learn how to love myself. And I would recommend any book by a woman by the name of Louise Hay, um, H-A-Y. She writes all sorts of books on how to, she wrote, she's transitioned uh, on, she wrote this book called Mirror Work and it fundamentally changed my life. She taught me how to look into the mirror and to love myself and how to repeat um, affirmations such as Jamar, I love you. Jamar, I forgive you. Jamar, I don't blame you anymore. Jamar, I have your back. And I started doing that. And then I started incorporating other small things uh, like meditation, like journaling, like exercise, but no, I don't want to overly simplify this, Apollo. This, we're talking about a journey that has taken 17 years. Mm -hmm. um, and and healing isn't linear. You know, you're, you're going to have, this, this, there's so many zigzags. You're going to have your up moments and your down moments. Um, but I think that you cannot heal until you start to love every part of you, including yes. all of the parts that you were taught to hate about yourself. Um, mm -hmm. And that's what mindfulness has taught me, to sit with myself and to, see myself without a narrative, without judgment, but just to see myself as this being that's already whole. I'm, right. I'm here to experience the highs and the lows. And when you're just seeking out the highs, well, then you're out of balance. You're not a very balanced individual. And so I think that 
more than anything, I want balance, man. I want to leave this plane and be like, yo, I had a hell of a life. (laughs) And and so I, I don't regret anything that's brought me to this place. I don't regret any of the mistakes that I've made because I genuinely love the person I am today. So, right. So I think kind of what you were talking about is first becoming aware of the experience that you're having, learning yes. to honor it with through love yes. and then sharing that story is then the next part of it. I think so many um, of us want, a, want our lives to look like the highlight reel. Everything needs to look as beautiful as possible. I know so many people who don't feel comfortable talking about the the shadow self, the negative aspects of it, but yet we identify those things in other people because it's the most common thing. You gotta preach. The common thread of all of us are our shadow selves because we all got closets. Mm. Um, And speaking to the idea of loving the things that other people told me to hate. I've talked about this on the podcast before, and I've had a lot of breakthrough even in the last couple of weeks around this, was that one of my favorite places to go was church. And one of the scariest places for me to go was church because nothing elevated my spirit and made me feel more alive than hearing those people stand on that pulpit and sing. And, and, to feel, and, and there was nowhere else in the world where I was surrounded by other black people who for the most part wanted to see me thrive. And on the flip side of that, I saw how we singled out people who went against any kind of idea that we thought aligned with God's holiness. Yes. How do you define your sense of holiness now <clears throat> as a person? Or is there a sense of holiness? Do you feel like there's a need for it? I feel like, hmm, I feel like holiness, that's a really great question. I personally don't feel like there is a need for holiness. I think that, that anything that tries to other you, that puts you on a pedestal of better that's why i'm even like careful with terms like enlightenment or low vibes or high vibes i feel like um that's no different than religions that have made you feel like you're on a path that is better than other people's paths and when the truth of the matter is we're all on an individual path that will lead us all to our own individual promised land and so i'm a big advocate on be your own guru um i no one can heal you no one can snap their fingers and get it done for you true holiness to me is you taking responsibility for the decisions you made, for your manifestations, for your successes, and for your failures. To me, true holiness is knowing that you are divine, you are walking a divine path, even when it feels like everything around you is not divine. You can stand in your divinity and claim victory no matter what you're feeling. That's why mindfulness is such the way to be on because you then begin to embrace life in such a way that everything is sacred, everything is holy. There is no separation from me and you. And so I see this conversation as holy. I see TikTok as holy because it brings people together. Mm -hmm. So anything that is magnifying a sense of self-worth, a sense of self-esteem and a sense of self-love is sacred to me. For sure. And I think that's that's a powerful distinction between something that's holy that almost feels unattainable, that almost feels so far away from you that its main purpose is to remind you how far away from it you actually are. Mm -hmm. Whereas Mm -hmm. something sacred 
feels like to me anyway it feels inclusive and it feels like walking yes. on fertile ground it Ooh, feels like yes. something that gives you life whereas the idea of holiness itself is a thing that separates you from the divine yes, if, and, yes. I, and, I, and i guess i've struggled with the idea and the concept of that for a long time if we all were made in god's image and we're all supposed to be here to do this thing and live this life and we all have the power collectively to do amazing things like the whole two or three when two or three are more are gathered like so, there's a miracle in the midst mm -hmm. the fact that that's able to be said and that that's a, a real thing is because you have two minds working towards one common goal and that gets done that gets yes. created that gets manifested yes. because two minds wanted the same thing and yes. so it's often bothered me when we tell people well I'll go back. One of the scriptures that turned me off a long time ago uh, was that we're like filthy rags mm -hmm. to God. Mm -hmm. And I know mm -hmm. that it's not something, and I've talked about it in my therapy, and I'm like, it's not something that I should continue to harp on. But I remember being in the backseat of my mom's car, and she was telling me that this that I, like all day long, I had been like really hyped up and like really excited about God. And I was just talking about it and talking about it. And she said, you know, no matter how good you do, you'll, nothing, you'll, be no, you'll never be nothing more but like filthy rags to the Lord. Wow. And oh, I remember goodness. everything inside of me just turning down. It was this sadness that just kind of swept over me. Hmm. And then suddenly, every space that I walked into that represented what God represented to me back then, because to me, God was the black community. God mm -hmm. was the sanctuary. God was the congregation. You said congregation, I hear God, I hear music, I hear crying out and worshiping. And mm -hmm. so now, even when I walk into certain spaces, when I know people who go to church predominantly, I automatically assume that they will not care for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so talk a little bit, I want to talk a little bit about what it looks like to find community again, once you re recognize that you can't go back to the way mm -hmm. you first saw God, the way mm -hmm. you first saw church. And especially as black queer men, because we don't, we're not, there is no one to hand you that book there is no one to say, this is where you go because you're too gay for the church. You're too, you're too gay for the barbershop. You know, you're too gay for the basketball team. You're too gay. Like you can't like, don't look too hard at anybody because they automatically assume. And then we get into places where you are around a whole lot of gay men or, or you do make gay friends. And then there's the, the, there can be the jealousy and the envy and, and the messiness. What does it look like for you? now to have community and how do you mm -hmm. continue to foster that knowing mm -hmm. what we know about community and how those things can be a really fragile thing it's a really really good question and first of all i want to say i completely relate with you um relate with the whole like not being comfortable in barbershops or walking into a space like the sanctuary or congregation and feeling immediately judged so you're not alone in that. And I'm sure that there's lots of us that feel that way. That's For the first sure. thing I want to say. Second thing I want to say is that I 
learned in order to have a community, I had to foster community within myself. So yes. I think that the biggest lesson I've been learning is nothing manifests outside of me until it's manifested inside inside of me first. Mm. Um, and, and as I've fostered things like joy and peace, I have seen those things reflected back at me. Here's the thing, you were right, when two or more are gathered, we are definitely creating some things, right? And that can be negative things, that can be positive things. How many times have you seen a, a mob turn into a riot? You know, they're together, that energy, it's, it's, it's festering. And so how much more can love do? You know what I'm saying? How much more can a group of people that have decided to be intentional with their love? And how do we meet those people? So I'm a firm believer that in order to find your soul tribe, you have to be willing to let go of everything that you're not. You have to be willing to let go of people that don't see you as your true, as your true divine nature. Anyone that does not see you as your true divine nature does not belong in your life. And then I would have to ask you, why are we trying to keep them in our lives? Um, if they, if they constantly gaslight us, if they ghost us, if we have to chase their affection, then there's something inside of us that feels that we deserve that kind of thinking, that, that, that kind of treatment. So I started after my mirror work, after my journaling, after mindfulness, I started saying, well, I don't deserve to be taken advantage of. I don't deserve to be used. I don't belong feeling that. I don't belong feeling guilty. I don't, so I, nobody around me can make me feel guilty. I don't belong feeling shameful uh, because I'm not ashamed. I love myself. So I made a list of all the things that make me valuable as a friend. And I'm talking about like as a friend. Uh, because we making friends as, a, as an adult is not the easiest thing in the world to do. Um, and I wanted a new group around me that I felt wasn't going to drain me every time I was with them. I wanted, so I made a list. I said, I'm on a path of, 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 of self-work, of self-healing. So everyone that walks alongside me has to have that same intentionality, has to have that same goal, or else I'm going to be carrying us. And that drains me and I don't belong feeling that way. So I think that if you want to find your tribe, you want to find your partner, you want to find your career, whatever it is you are seeking, first you need to write down what makes you valuable. My smile, my hugs, my presence, my mere presence makes people feel so good. That's value. That's value. So I need to be around people that make me feel good in return. And so then I start just eliminating. Okay, well, you know what? You, you don't make me feel good when I talk to you. And I don't feel the need to entertain you or chase you or chase after your affection. So I'm going to send you with love and I'm going to leave myself open because in order to be open for the new to come, you've got to, you, you got to close the door to the old. You have to. You, there is no space for the new while we're still entertaining the old. And so that's how I found my tribe. You know. And I found you. you. Right. I was just about to say this. Um, for me, the biggest part of it was learning how to be by myself. Yes. Was mm -hmm. learning how to be silent and how to be quiet. There's this book by this priest and he was a wild ass priest. So like, mm. take this with a grain. Anytime I bring up anything in church or religion or anything, take it with a whole tablespoon of salt because <laughs> I do. But uh, his name is Thomas Merton and he wrote this book, Thoughts in Solitude. And he basically mm. just would go off and be by himself for a long, long periods of time. And things he would say things just come to him about humanity and the way we do things as people. And nobody, and the thing is, is that as much as I am about community and as much as I am about family, 
family and the global family that we all are. As dysfunctional as we are, we all are bleeding and shitting. That's what we all do, okay? As much as I'm about that, I am always preaching the love that you learn to have and experience in solitude and with time by yourself. Mm. I have learned how, I've learned what I need in moments of my crisis by being by myself. I've yes. learned what my, like a lot of my triggers are. Now don't get me wrong. It was, it's a, it's, it's a balance, like you were saying. I'll stay, I'll be by myself for a little bit and I'll recharge and re-energize and really get deep in there. And then I'll go out into the world and I'll bump up against somebody and they will trigger something in me. And then I'll have to go back into my corner. I'm like, okay, so why did they trigger me? So that's the, I think that's why we're all here. It's because yeah. there are triggers that need to be, that cannot be identified when you're solely by yourself. Because yes. you, can, you can be by yourself thinking that your shit don't stink. You can be by yourself <laughs> telling everybody that you that what they think is wrong because you've had it figured out and you don't want to hear anything else. But that comes from having an imbalance. That comes from spending too much time by yourself. That be, that comes from becoming your own God instead of mm. seeking a God. Wow. Do you know what I'm saying? That's real. That's Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think... One of the things that I would give as advice to anybody who is seeking a level of community with other people is to figure out how to be by yourself in a healthy way. Yes. I, I don't know about anybody else, but I know for, for, my, for me, there are times where it is so hard to be by myself and to not distract myself, to not pick up my phone, to not put on a movie, mm -hmm. to not put on some music. It's like, there were, I can think back to times in my childhood when I would mm -hmm. be so bored and so afraid of being bored, I would think of drama to just come up with. <sighs> just to see like just so I wouldn't have to deal with just sitting there by myself yes. and I think and I look back on it now and like yeah it's funny and also why was I afraid to be by myself at 12 I hadn't yeah. even done shit but that's a human thing so now yeah. when I when I when I wake up from a nap and you know it's like that little moment before you, you touch your phone or before you get up and go to the bathroom it's just like okay I'm alive okay I'm awake now what am I supposed, I shouldn't. And it's just that, it's that uncomfortability. You just want to go and do something. I start like mm -hmm. laying in those moments. I start mm. seeking those moments of boredom and of nothingness. Because wow. in those moments, I feel like I find a lot more of myself. And I think I would give this advice to people who are in houses and in families that they can't escape. Because we yes. grown. We ain't, gotta, mm -hmm. we ain't gotta hang around nobody. We don't want to. Yes. <laughs> but I've said this, I told this to my, my partner a long time ago. I've also learned that I can't leave every room that I'm uncomfortable in. Mm, that's real. There is no growth in that. There is no power in that. So the more time I spend learning how to be alone and, and like you said, working on and and appreciating my own value the better i feel and the longer i can stay in places where i don't necessarily feel the most comfortable no oh, that's so good 
I can fight those back. I can tell somebody like, no, bro, this is a boundary and you're disrespecting her and I don't appreciate it. No, because I know my why. I established my why and my who I am while I was by my fucking self. Yes. And now I can go into a place with people who don't agree with me and not be shaken or moved. I can be challenged, but you know, like to the point where I start to like doubt myself because growing up, there were so many people, so many voices out there yelling and screaming and pulling me in different directions that it's hard to know who the fuck it is you really are. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So you take you take every you take what everybody tells you and then you go and sit by yourself. And what I'm saying is that there are are queer children growing up in this world right now who they can't leave their mama's house and they can't leave their dad's house. And what I tell them, what I would advise them is to find time to be by yourself anytime you can. Don't yes. fill up every don't fill up every moment of your life doing something or trying to be something or 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 working. I think there's I think work is a, is another mm. one of those sacred things. I love creating, I love creating, but I put that shit down so that I can focus on creating my, me. Wow. Creating a person that I can be proud of, you know what I'm saying? Yes, I, I mean, yes, amen, yes, to all of it, yes, <laughs> to all of it. I, I couldn't agree more, yes. I, so I feel like sometimes when I'm talking, I definitely hear the preacher in me and I'm like, <laughs> you can take him out the church, but you can't take the church out of him. You can't. And, and, here's, and here's what I think is important for us to remember as people that used to belong to organized religion, that nobody has a monopoly on the spirit and nobody Ooh. has a monopoly on grace. Um, and so I think that just because we've decided to take a message of love and inclusivity and acceptance, uh, and express it through music or through TikTok or even here on this podcast, we're having church right now. Yes, we're, we we're congregating, we're congregating right now. And so I think that um, it's important that we define what closeness to God means for each, another, each of us individually. You know what I'm saying? Like there is no one size fits all for everyone. And, and, and to piggyback on what you were just saying, you won't discover your closeness with God until you spend that time by yourself. Um, and ultimately, you're not by yourself. That's that's where that's where God will come meet you uh, when you are by yourself. That's when He's like, Ah, oh, you ready to talk? Let's do this. Let's do this. I'm sorry. I know that you made a, just a beautiful point, but when you said that, I thought about the sound on TikTok where somebody's like, "As a black person, you're never truly alone." Cause there's always <laughs> a white person somewhere trying to mind your motherfucking business. <laughs> 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 same, same sentiment with just a little same more sentiment grace, with, with, with more <laughs> hallelujah but no honestly bro if if i was if i was you know i'm not gonna well whatever i don't know who knows what the future will hold but if i was ever gonna hold whole congregation that's what i would call yeah. i wouldn't even call it a church but if i was ever gonna hold congregation, congregation my only thing that i'm telling everybody is find your interpretation of god yes Yes, man. Like, yes. and don't like, and don't do what a lot of other people do and use God as a way to cause harm. That's one of the biggest Thank things about oh, organized religion that I don't understand how so many people still follow it as blindly as they do without asking questions. Because mm -hmm. I'm like. They said God told them to come over to a different country and put everybody in chains. <laughs> yes, yes, and that was God. And that was God. <laughs> yeah. 
not feed them, not clothe them, <laughs> not house no. them, not give them no. hugs. No, give them blankets with smallpox. And diseases. <laughs> yes. Now, <laughs> if your local church is telling you to do anything along those lines, hopefully in, the, in 2021, you have enough. You know what? Never mind. I know. <laughs> I'm just I'm 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 convinced that people. What I, I say this because I was in organized religion for so long. I mean, I was a youth pastor, so I mean, I I, I was in this. I was in it, and I I was not comfortable with taking personal responsibility for my choices. It was easy for me to say I'm waiting on God, which would then uh, validate my inact my inaction. Um, it was easy for me to be like, oh, I'm praying about that. And it was easy for me to put people in a box that God was so-called against because it made me feel better about my salvation. Right. So when you already have low self-esteem and you have no self-worth and your your whole identity is found in the church, well, then, of course, you have to have an enemy. You have to have sinners that are in need of savior, uh, that are in need of saving so that you feel better about yourself, so that you are adding that jewel to your crown that's waiting for you in heaven, which is really also ego based, if you think about it. Oh, and not yes. at all, not at all what Jesus ultimately said, which was to love God and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And you can't really love anyone until you love yourself because you don't know how to do that. So. I mean, we just got to get back to the basics of what love is, what God is, and what is our new moral obligation to each other, you know? I couldn't agree more. We are going to move into the section of the podcast that I like to call Words of Wisdom. Words of Wisdom, okay. So Words of Wisdom is this thing that I started doing. Um, Also, earlier you said something that made me think about Jennifer Lewis. Oh, Jennifer, Jennifer Lewis. Lewis. Jennifer Lewis said that when you want to I make a change, only two things will make you make a change. A death sentence hmm. or when you're actually sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yes, yes, yes. I guess yes. that could be my word of wisdom for the week. I have to yes. So I'm okay. so that's one. That's from Jennifer Lewis. Okay. Wow, that's that's great. <laughs> that's I really know great. I could just stop right there. But I have ego, so I'm not. So <laughs> <laughs> and your ego is important too. So. It can be. It can it like your ego is as important as is I'm sorry. Your ego is as important. I'm sorry, here I go. Your ego is as important as you decide to make it healthy. Yes. Oh, that's good. I think that's yes. what I'm trying to say. Like your ego can only be important if it's healthy. Yes. That's why and I like you use my own tasks. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's a great idea. Give your ego task. Yeah. Since you want to be nitpicky about this, why don't you nitpick my form at the gym? How about that? How about how about you you go to the gym <laughs> when you're not feeling it? How about we how about we stick to that as opposed to criticizing my softness and the need my need to be balanced? And yeah, I like I like giving my ego tasks. Yeah. Make your ego work for you. Yes, because when yes. your ego is working for you, it doesn't have time to nitpick other people. Thank you. You better preach because I'm very I'm Ooh. very guilty of this. You talked about noticing what other people are and are not doing in the community. And then 
being really disheartened by the fact that with all that the queer community does for the Black Lives Matter movement, for all that Black women do for the Black Lives Matter movement. For the culture for that the Black queer people do for the culture. Listen, you, know? you wouldn't even, these niggas wouldn't even be wearing Balenciaga. <laughs> wouldn't even know what a Balenciaga was if it wasn't for queer people. But it's like, I'll get in my head and I get angry. Yeah. I'm not going to blame it on my Aries this, this week. Every week I'm like, I got angry <laughs> about this one thing. Cause no, wow. it's because it's because I'm me, but I'm like, no, like, fuck you. Okay. Fuck you for telling him that he can't run this because you don't agree with who he's sleeping with. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. Who are you? Like, mind your business and I'll get to the point where I'm just ready to demonize everybody. So my work is in remembering that these are my brothers who may have their issues, who who are quite frank. And you know what, honestly, and I don't mean to be triggering when I say this, one of the things that makes it hard for me to have that grace with quote unquote straight black men is because they are dangerous they can be dangerous mm -hmm. yes their actions have repercussions on people's mental physical and spiritual lives yes and i have been abused by black men i have been taken advantage of by black men i have been demonized hurt ridiculed by by men in general but, but you yeah. know but yeah. like we talked about it hurts a little bit more when it comes from your own people yes yes and so it's not forgiveness because i don't believe you have to forgive people who hurt you i honestly don't believe that i don't believe you have to hurt them in order for you to heal i'm sorry yes. you, i don't believe you have you don't have to hurt them and you don't have to forgive them in order for you to heal yes but part of my journey into loving myself is finding a way to love the ugliness or to accept the ugliness in other people mm -hmm. as I as I accept the ugliness within myself. Yes. Because there are certain things within myself I won't tolerate. I won't tolerate mm -hmm. violence or, man, or emotional manipulation from myself mm -hmm. to do to other people and therefore I will not accept it from, from you. Absolutely. Period, that's, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, all, and I think that's another thing. It's all about not being a hypocrite. I'm not going to ask anything from my community that, that I'm not willing to give out for myself. Absolutely. 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 I agree, <laughs> I agree with everything. You just, I mean, wow. Period. I mean, what, what can be added to that? <laughs> and with that, I want to thank everybody. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, though. But, but yes, that's, that's where I'm at. And like all great things, I've said this on the podcast, it's a practice. It's a practice. But I'm 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 implementing it and I'm practicing it every day. So I guess I'm just gonna I guess I'm gonna use that this week as my words of wisdom and I'll save my other one for later. <laughs> man, you just said a mouthful. That's a lot of wisdom, man. It's a lot of emotional wisdom, um, spiritual wisdom. I agree with everything you just said. Um, I don't believe that we need to be in the space of our uh, abusers in order to heal. 
In fact, I think that that is the opposite of what you should be doing. Um, I think that the only, uh, I don't really have any words of wisdom to add uh, because today has been just such a soul searching type day. I'm, I'm, I just want to express gratitude uh, for having this talk with a like-minded individual. Uh, you helped me feel seen today um, and not a little less crazy, you know? Um, thank you for being vulnerable with me too. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I know firsthand it's not easy. There's that little rub inside whenever we're about to like uh, be vulnerable. It's like, oh, the ego is kicking and screaming. So I appreciate you ignoring that and, and having such an honest and candid conversation with me. It is helping my own healing. So man, I just, I, I came across your videos and I was taken aback with your level of vulnerability. Um, I, I feel fortunate enough to be one of those people who I feel comfortable being vulnerable. I feel comfortable saying, oh, I'm human. And yeah. I, I only want to be as fully as my, myself as I possibly can be. And wherever I can do that, however I can do that, that's where I want to be. I feel fortunate and lucky to be, to know myself well enough to know that that's where I'm headed in life. Yes. And to keep, and to keep coming across people and keep running into people who are doing the exact same thing. And you're one of those yes, people. Man. That's why I reached out to you. There's a lot of people on TikTok. I've only asked two of them to be on the podcast because nice. I saw your first message and I was deeply touched by it. I identify with it. And yeah, I want to encourage you, man. Like anything that you're trying to do right now is, is, is blessed already. Like it already has a platform. It already has a purpose. It already has an audience. It already has people that need it. All it's, it's just going to be about you walking into it. And that's what I believe for you, bro. I received that profit. Thank you. <laughs> Jamar, thank you so much for being here with us, man. Man, thank you for having me. And God bless, man. Everything. You too, man. See you soon. All right. Right now, right here. Right now, right here. You've been listening to Right Now, Right Here with Apollo Mighty. I'd like to thank you, my guests, and my sponsors for making this possible. If you have any questions or suggestions for guests or topics, send an email to Apollo at ApolloMighty.com. You can also follow me on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. And be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. I'll see you next week for another episode of Right Now, Right Here. This is the part that I hit the most. I really want to go, but I'm staying right here.